0: and ...more profitable for them to execute. They would celebrate right along with me. Win-win with contractors and me versus lose-win with employees and me. So as it turned out, independent contractors would always be more in alignment with my successes than employees. Contractors were also more in alignment with my failures, since they simply got less work without direct layoffs. In periods of failure they would seek to bolster my businesses so they could once more get bigger orders. They would often accept delayed payments, whereas employees would accept no delays, or would any government agency allow them to do so. I had learned to adapt to that reality in the past, despite hoping, unrealistically, for a big, happy family of employees and me. I had had to grow up and accept that was not the reality on the ground. In fact, the big happy family did exist, as it turned out, except that it was with contractors, not direct employees. Employees left, especially the good ones. Contractors stayed forever, since they could expand and grow through developing parallel relationships with others that only helped us by their learning more and being less dependent on my companies in a downturn. Another win-win. In retrospect, this should have been obvious. Back in the day, I just didn't see it at all, until the blinders gradually came off of my prejudices on this score. My company owned our content outright without royalty obligations, so we didn't have to contend with authors, agents, or lawyers with their ever-present threat of discord and litigation. Again, as with employees, the authors were rightly concerned because their interests were oppositional with those of publishers, such as us. So my plan had been to sidestep both, and that had worked well for my financial results and miraculously for my peace of mind. The evidence was strongly in my favor with lower costs, fewer phone calls, and no disruption on the work or content side. Pretty cool, I believed. Of course, one could say I was a poor boss, administrator, or negotiator, which could cause potential problems if I had hired employees and enlisted authors with royalties in my content library. If the criticism were true, I had done the smart thing by avoiding being a boss, administrator, or negotiator. If false, I was home free, except if I worried about the critic's opinion, which I was smart enough not to do very often. One could never entirely avoid thinking about the personal opinions of others, though it was always in one's interest to avoid doing so. As Julia Roberts once said, If you want to cry, Google yourself. I learned to sidestep the employees by using the contractors mentioned earlier and the authors by making forever content rights agreements for upfront money or no money at all, if they would instead accept the promotional and ego benefits of retail and online exposure of themselves at no cost to them. I made the agreements non-exclusive so they could sell their work to others at any time, for any purpose, without any obligation to simply. This led the authors to be less nervous, though they were always nervous. None of them ever republished anything sold to us anyway, so giving them the non-exclusive bouquet never had a negative impact upon us and let them keep their dignity, dreams, and egos bolstered up. A very nice win-win for all concerned. Most authors flatly turned down our deal, but we didn't need most authors, so the few we got were more than sufficient for our purposes. In short, Simply was a calm, unstressed company with no meetings, corporate politics, internecine warfare, or other contentious issues. As a private company with my owning 91%, we had no public face or responsibilities other than those set forth by local, state, and federal regulations and statutes. Without employees, physical facilities, or equipment, there was little for any government agency to regulate. The IRS and state tax authorities just wanted their share of our profits according to statute, which was straightforward and reasonable. In my experience, the federal, state, and local civil service had made it increasingly easy to file their forms and pay their fees required by statute, which we were doing virtually all online these days. Because we had no physical facilities, they would have to inspect according to government regulations. All of this meant we could profitably sell our audiobooks in Target's one-spot section, their fancy, quite lovely name for a dollar section. Nothing seemed to be basic at Target, just better. They dressed up cheapness with their solid style and quality improvements, making sure there was good value in everything they bought and sold. Personally, I loved their little improvements, such as their two-pack of a straight-edge and Phillips-head screwdriver set with excellent grips for only $2.99. They could have made a cheaper set for a dollar ninety nine.